Well, God is represented in a lot of different ways in uh, media over over the years. There's been a number of people that have played God, George Burns, Charlton Heston, Morgan Freeman, um, Alanis Morissette played God in a movie. And every time God prayed, there is, an, I suppose, a Hollywood version of God is pushed in front of us. And, and some of them are probably closer than others. And some of them portray God as the, the God as the big beard and, and, and the deep voice and, and sort of as very sort of absent and, and sort of distant from us. And, and we're sort of waiting for thunder and lightning to strike us. Morgan Freeman comes across with this smooth sort of voice and, and sort of like very relatable and, and sort of comes alongside and portrays God in two movies. Um, Bruce Almighty's this one and, and Evan Almighty a little bit later. And, and we see God sort of doing miraculous things and, 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 and things like that. And, and I suppose for a lot of us, like not just the church, but the world, we get our idea of God from what we see. Um, and, and so there are, there are a lot of misconceptions, a lot of half-truths when it comes to God. And so today I want to look very focused on that. We've been looking at the fact that half-truth is actually a full lie. We looked at the half-truth about life and the half-truth about ourselves and how we are sinners, but that we are loved by God and God actually has forgiven us and he gives us our identity. But all the, everything we've talked about doesn't really matter unless we get the truth about God right. Um, and I suppose the first question or I suppose point that we need to cover is, is there a God? That's, 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 that'll be the first question. If you come across people in the world that like, okay, it's not whether there is God or not, or whether there's which God we follow, it's is there a God? And there are a lot of people that are even christian leaders who are walking away from god and saying god no longer exists and and sort of are moving away from that and so you will hear that it's a myth even in that that um the the roman guard who had that seal that he was told to say there was a myth that the the disciples stole jesus's body and so there's there's a lot of people sort of refer to to i suppose christianity as one of those myths um, one of the, the uh, it's a hilarious sort of statement um, because it's sort of, it, it's, it's a really sort of weak statement, but one phrase I've seen used quite a bit over the last few years is sky fairy. You'll see this on social media, oh, you just, you just pray to your sky fairy and, and I, in saying it that way, it sort of reduces God to this, I, if he is real, he's very weak. If he is real, he's not very powerful because fairies are for little girls and, and, and like, and make-believe. And, and so you can believe in your sky fairy, but I'll, I'll believe in reality. And so what's happened in our world is that over the probably the last well, 50, 60 years, there's been, um, I suppose, a new movement in, in reasoning and science. And we get to the point where science and, and reason have sort of tried to kill off God. Um, there are people that have, have in their lives have said, well, God can't exist because science is what it is. And, and so they, they argue for things like evolution, where evolution speaks of, um, nothing colliding with each other, or nothing becoming something and then colliding with each other and creating everything. That's, that's the theory. Nothing becomes something 
and runs into each other and becomes something, something significant and creates everything else. Anyone here, who's got like a latest iPhone here? Who's got an iPhone 11? Who's got an iPhone? Okay, I'm way behind. Who's got an iPhone 10? 11, anyone got one on them? Oh, Greg, can I have your phone for a second? It's a 12, That's that'll do. It should do the job. So, okay, I'm going to get this phone. Um, now, anyone got a hammer? Anyone got a hammer? No, no hammer. Okay, well, we'll just have to use our imagination where we can. So, so this phone um, has been designed by... Um, Apple by Steve Jobs put a, a lot of work into designing Apple phones and so and every year there's a new update and and people line up for days to get this latest bit of technology. Now, if we applied the principle of evolution to this phone, what I could do is take my imaginary hammer, smash it into small pieces, put it into a bag shake it up and leave it for a million years and this phone would come back again. Anyone here believe that would possibly happen? Anyone sort of go, yeah, it could happen, it could happen. Like some people cook that way. They throw everything together and hopefully it will turn out. And like if you don't follow the recipe, if you don't know what you're doing, if there's not a little bit of control, if there's not a creator or a designer behind it, all of a sudden... Like, it doesn't work the way it's meant to. And yet we are told to switch off our brains and saying, accidentally, nothing became something which became everything. And and this past week, no, I'm just going to, no, I better, I better give it back before I drop it or something like that. Um, here, Greg, catch. But this past week, um, our family were out at Cania Gorge. And so, again, Cania Gorge... Um, prolific wildlife. We had kangaroos actually coming onto our flooring inside our awning. And um, we've got this muck mat, which is synthetic grass to wipe your feet on it. It, it looks so good that the kangaroo went, oh, that looks like really fresh grass and wanted to eat it. And so, but right in front of you, you see this, this, I suppose, abstract sort of animal like it's got a long tail big back legs sort of like it, it it doesn't sort of make sense that it just accidentally happened you think that everything would look the same if if we were evolving sort of along the same traits but there's also wallabies which are different to kangaroos but then the bird life out there is amazing so every afternoon you'd feed the birds and the rainbow lorikeets would land all over you and, and their little claws that like would sort of dig in while they held on and, and then the cockatoos would land on you as well and you sort of think, beaks big, claws are big, I don't know if I want this on me, but it's so diverse and sort of amazing. Again, we are pushed to think that those things are accidental rather than planned. Now, again, it's someone who had a plan far greater than me. Because if you saw my stick drawings when I was a kid, my cockatoos would have been very, like, um, wouldn't have looked too good at all. But God had a plan behind all this stuff. And in Romans 12, um, it, uh, Romans 1, 21, it says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. 
And as a result, their minds became dark and confused. So this was written um, about 2,000 years ago. Um, Paul, the writer of Romans, sort of said, people not wanting to believe in God the way he was came up with other things. And in our modern day, atheism has become one of those things that we, we, we don't believe there is a God, we don't believe there is a reason for anything. And all of a sudden, life changes when that becomes truth. Because what's the point of living if there is no God? What, what's, the, what's the purpose in life? It's just to make money, get stuff, to be as happy as you can. So it doesn't matter if you're selfish. It doesn't matter if you hurt other people as long as you are happy. Well, that becomes the ideal. When we kill off God in our minds and through reason and science, we become foolish and dark and confused. So the thing is, for me, I, I, I look around me and there is evidence everywhere of a God who is in control and a God who is, has made stuff. Um, and in fact, like when you look around, you see um, things like that work like clockwork. Each day the sun comes up. Each day, like um, each season, we, we heat up and then we cool down and, and we heat up again. And so that allows us to grow food. Like You imagine that the world did not work with some kind of order. And again, it shows me a, a loving God. Even without going to the Bible, I look at the world and we live in, I see, I see a loving God around us who is basically putting his fingerprints throughout the world for us to enjoy his blessings for us. But then we come to the Bible. But before we get there, the next question, the first question, is there a God? If we want to sort of establish what these half-truths are, is there a God? I believe yes. Undoubtedly, there is a God. But the next question becomes, which God? Because again, we, we, we live in a world where we actually are told that we need to be inclusive of everything and anyone. Now, the problem with, with, with this is that my lie and your lie need to be accepted equally. But the, if, I, if I have the truth here, if I have the truth, and then you have a truth that's contradictory to that, two things are, are possible, either or three things. I'm right and you're wrong. You're right and I'm wrong. We're both wrong. Those are the only three options. But we are told to live in a world where we can believe totally opposing ideas about things and you both can be right like and then we've got simple things that we do all the time you, you imagine applying that rule to mathematics for all you teachers out there like if you if you have a student come up to you going, but miss miss i believe that four plus seven should be two that's what i believe it's my truth and then you would go, but my truth says you are wrong. And you put a big red mark there. But again, it's the same principle where if, if we leave truth and to be interpreted by ourselves, all of a sudden everything gets thrown out the window. But we do agree there are certain things that are set. And, and the thing is, I suppose this is the, the, the lie that the world tries to tell us. It doesn't matter which God that you do follow. If you want to believe in God, you do that. But it doesn't matter which one. But then we start looking at different things that, and, like, and, and the things that we can rely on. We look at different, different faith groups where they basically have to work to earn their entrance to heaven. 
We have, um, we have groups where basically you have to give a good life so the next life you'll be sort of promoted up a bit. So this life you are a man, next life you are a cow, next life after that you are a beautiful butterfly and, and, and on and on it goes and, and, and if you live a good life finally you will get somewhere. That means you spend eternity trying to better yourself. It's your work. You have faith groups who says basically if you follow all these rules then you will get into this place. You have faith groups who basically say if if you believe in me and, and me and do all the things that I ask you to do and, and kill and hurt and, and, and punish those who don't believe in you then you will get into your paradise. You have, you have faith groups who go it's, it's all in your mind. You've just got to believe harder. You've got to believe deeper. You've got to believe more and, and you'll finally get it. Now, you tell me that when I'm on a plane that's crashing, that you just got to believe more and, and it will fly. Like, it doesn't matter how much I believe. It matters how much the wings are attached to the plane. And the pilot knows what he's doing. But the thing is, we come back, when it comes to this, we look at Romans 1 again, because in picking up in verse 22, it says, Claiming to be wise, they instead become utter fools. And instead of worshipping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshipped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. So <laughs> I was just talking about how I looked at the amazing creation that God had and all of a sudden I went there as a God. Where other people, they look at different things around us and they look at that thing and say, that thing must be God. That thing must be worshipped. And so we have people that will worship nature. We'll have people that worship different things. And like, again, we don't live in times, well, I suppose in the West, we don't live in times where we make idols and, and put them on our, our, our sort of duchess and worship them. Or do we? We worship money. We worship things. We worship people. We worship football stars. We worship movie stars. We worship a whole lot of different things and they become our idols. So much so that marketers know that if I get this famous person to sell this product, all of a sudden people will want it because they want to be able to have the things that the movie stars because it'll make them like movie stars. I will become more like them. And so this all comes back to having a God who is different, a God who is able to do abundantly more than we can ever imagine. And we're going to get to that in a little bit because not only do we have to decide which God, our world has actually got us into a point where we actually sort of say, well, we can define God our way, God my way. And so what we do, even in churches, this happens. And so this may apply to some of you in some degree or to a big degree because what we want to do, we want to define God the way we want God to be. So we don't want God to be like that. We want more of this. So we want a little bit of this from God, a little bit of that. And if I'm good, God will get me into heaven, a little bit like Santa Claus. And God will bless me. So God is going to give me stuff and I don't have to work for it. And God will, he, 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 oh, that's right. He puts my sins in the deepest ocean so I can do bad stuff and God won't remember. And I kind of put God together that way and that becomes my God. 
Well, that's not the true picture of God. And I remember there's a story in, in Scripture where Jacob and um, his wives are, are fleeing their father Laban. And Laban was upset that his daughters had left, but he was more upset that the household idols had been taken. That's what he was more upset about. So again, as I'm thinking, the piece of stone or wood that you had inside your lounge room, you're more upset that that's been taken than your daughters. So I'm going straight away, he's probably got his values a little bit out of whack. But when he came to quiz them, <coughs> his youngest daughter had taken them. She had, she went, I want to take my gods with me. So one, they're transportable. That's how big her gods were. But basically, she sat down and she pretended she was not feeling well. And so she hid her gods by sitting on them. Now, again, when we define God our way, we basically put God into a box, whether physically or metaphorically. We, we actually sort of put God in a, in a smaller way. And we want God to be big on love, but not so much on holiness. Like, I'll give God a day or an hour. Or God can be there when I need him to be. He's my, like, my, my go-to. Who am I going to call God? Like, that's, that becomes the, the idea for us. Like, God, you live your life, I'll live mine. And thank you for being my get-out-of-jail-free card. The problem is, if God is God, if God is who he says he is, shouldn't he be the one that defines who he is? Um, and, and so basically what happens, you have God sort of being defined by who he is. His limits are his limits. His character is as his character. We don't get to have a say in that. It's much like you don't get to have a say in what my character is. It is who I am. And who God is, will be will be defined by himself it's reasonable and logical to hold on to this truth but there's a further step that we take at times because some of us like and we probably do this without even think about at times is that do you know what i could do god i could actually do the things that god does in my life i can control my life i can get my life exactly the way i want it i can do this my way and in that movie that we saw before, Bruce Almighty, that ex- that's exactly what happens. Because Bruce is upset with God and how God is sort of punishing him in life. God, everything that was wrong in my life is your fault. And so God says, I'm going to give you all my powers and you can be God. You can, you can fix the world. And so straight away, Bruce shows his character by fixing his own life. Writing some wrongs, it says in the movie, like looking after me for a change. What's wrong with that? Well, if we each were had the power of God, we would each do the same thing. We would fix all our problems. And even in the movie, everyone is praying and Bruce is hearing all these voices in his head and finally sets it up as email. And all these email prayer requests come through to him. And he's reading each one and he's like, oh, this is going to take forever. So he cheats. He says, answer all, yes. And so all of a sudden, everyone in the movie wins the lotto. When you have a million people win the lotto, guess how many people, much money you get? Not much at all. And so all the teams win their footy, footy game because everyone's praying, praying for their footy team. or Everyone's praying for this. And all of a sudden, the world falls apart. The thing is, if we were like that, 
we would mess up the world. If we, if we had the power of God, the world would be a disaster. And yet we try and rule our life. We try and live our life in that way to go, do you know what, God? I want control of this. And I, even if we sort of allow God to live in, in the, I suppose, the surrounding areas of our life, we still want control. We still want to be able to say, this is my dream and I pursue it. These are the things I want to do. This is the sin that I want to tolerate in my life. God is not that big of a deal. I could do God. And there's so many people that live in that way. But then we come to the actual truth, the God that is. And going back to that passage that Sarah read for us earlier, for in him, um, reading from verse 16, for in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. And so all of a sudden, everything that we live in this world, so whether it is the created world that we live in, so we look at the birds, we look at the amazing nature, we, we look at the creation itself that was done by God, ourselves included. All of a sudden, we get included into that category. We were created by God. But then it goes more than that, the visible and invisible. So the things that we don't see, we look at culture, we look at thrones and powers or rulers or authorities. Well, do you know what? All those things have been allowed and created by God. God has put those things in place. All things have been created through him and more importantly, for him. So we see a God who is complete, God who is in in authority, God who is in control. So it shows his power. This is further reinforced by verse 17. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. So our lives, our purpose, our world is held together because our God lives. Because God is alive and active in this world, all things are held together. We move on to verse 19 and to 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Friday we'll be, we'll be talking about the cross. But in this, all of a sudden, those first few verses, you see the power and the authority of God. A God who's in complete control. A God who does not question himself. A God who knows he can do all the things he says he can. But straight away in this verse, we actually see the character of God. And through him. So God was pleased to put all the fullness into Jesus. And through him, reconciled to himself all things. Reconcile. So we don't use that word too often. We hear things like reconciliation and, and basically it's to repair what has been damaged, to, to renew broken things. And so God here is talking about, I'm going through Jesus. I'm going to reconcile humanity. I'm going to actually fix what they broke. I'm going to repair what they have damaged. And I'm going to draw them back to me. And so then we come to this phrase, by making peace through his blood. 
by making peace through his blood. And all of a sudden what we see is Jesus is saying, I'm in control, I'm all powerful, I have the authority, I'm before all things, I'm in all things, I'm, I'm after all things, I am God. But I'm a God who loves. I'm a God who cares. And I'm a God who has created humanity to be in relationship with me. And they damaged that. They broke that. And so I'm going to do the one thing that is possible to repair that. I'm going to send my son to die on a cross to show, first of all, how much that I love them. But secondly, to do only what I can do and and through giving of myself, by sacrificing myself, bringing all things to peace through the blood shed on the cross. A few years ago, I'm not actually sure when it was made, there was a movie called Woodlawn. Not sure if you've seen the movie, but it's an American football movie, but it's a, a bit of a movie with a difference because um, I think it's 1974, the movie is based on a, a true story happening around the time. And there was a guy by the name of Hank Irwin who was a chaplain at a high school football team, which is not unsort of heard of in America. Um, the, America is, has got faith sort of spread through everywhere, not very deep, but it's spread through everywhere. So having a chaplain attached to a football team, not, not a big deal. But at the same time, what was happening in the community was that segregation was ending. And so all of a sudden, the white football team was to be opening up to African-American players. Now, again, this was a big shift for the community. And it was happening in their football team. And I believe in the first game that they played, there was a riot that broke out either on the field or in the stands that spread. And that was kind of basically what everyone thought the season was going to be like. Filled with hate, filled with hurt, filled with separation. And and Hank um, basically um, wanted to see something different. I'm about to show you a clip of him sharing with the team. He's given a, <laughs> a spot. He must have approached the coaches and they said, oh, they sort of define him as a bit of a motivational speaker. Um, but he comes and he shares with the team and the story that follows is amazing. So I'll let Bert throw the photo up. The movie goes on and not only does the team start winning football games, there's revival that sparks from the football team into the community. And so, um, again, it's not just their football team. They end up uh, getting Hank to, to share before some of the games. So you have people coming to watch a football game and... And he is leading people to Christ in the stadiums. Um, he, the teams are sharing with other teams about well, who God is. And, and <coughs> multiple teams are changing. And so at a time when God needed a unified community, God did exactly that. He grabbed a hold of people's lives and, and did that. But it starts with this essential point because we've we've got this idea that is there a God or isn't there a God? Which God do I follow? Maybe I can define God my way. And or we get to the point where we go, do you know what? I've got to let God be God and follow that God and, and know that God. But that becomes a choice. And we have to choose God. We have to make a choice to say, 
I'm going to follow along with this. I'm going to let it impact my life. I'm going to let it be the defining point of who I am and I'm going to get my value and my identity and my purpose from that. I'm going to let the fact that God is God define my life and, and divide my steps. I'm going to let the fact that God is God define the truth and not just my truth or the world's truth or anybody else's truth. I'm going to let God do that. And yet you see this play out in Scripture and Joshua um, 24. So the end of Joshua's life, he shares this famous verse after basically preaching to the gathered crowd about the journey that they had been on and where they had come from. He said this to them in verse 15, but if, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, so, and the, the funny thing about that, Joshua's standing at a point where they have conquered the promised land. God has done miraculous things for them. And Joshua sort of gives them the choice. If serving and following God seems undesirable for you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, And then he says these words, but as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. See, Joshua is saying that no matter what you do, you do need to make a choice. No choice is a choice. If you choose to follow God apathetically, then that is your choice. And in what you are doing in reality is you are making God sort of less in your life. You are sort of saying that I'm going to follow God in my defined ways. Or maybe you choose to worship something else. Maybe you worship your career or worship the things that you accumulate or even the dream that you are following in your life. And when I get that, then I'll follow God. But until I get that, that becomes my number one goal in my life. The thing is, God wants us to choose Him. Because in doing that, all of a sudden we are set free from the half-truths that put us in bondage and we get to know who we are and the life he has intended for us in fullness. Jesus said, I have come to give you life and life to the full. And where the world says, I've come to put you in bondage. And so today, I'm not sure where you are walking with God. Maybe God is something that you have believed all your life and, and you've, you're walking relatively closely with him. Praise God for that. Maybe for some of you, God is something that you know it's true, and but at the moment you are relying more on your own strength, your, your own will, your own control, and you are in fact trying to be God in your life. And you need to let go of that control and trust in God totally. Maybe there's some people here who have said, do you know what, I don't know if God's true or not. Or today, make a choice. Choose Jesus. Choose something else, but don't be apathetic in your choice, realizing that those other things you choose live to a lesser life, live to a life of bondage, lead to a place where you will never know the fullness and freedom that God has for you. I have no doubt there is a God. I have no doubt that this God is Jesus Christ. I have no doubt that he had died for me and he has risen again and, and my life is secure and safe and full within him. And today, I choose Jesus. I choose that truth for my life. 
Because in that truth, I am set free. And I pray that you would make that choice as well. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have shown your son to us. We thank you that you show yourself to us through our creation and and all these different ways. And today, Lord, I I pray for everyone sitting here that they may come and make that choice as well. That they will not trust in the choice of their parents or... (laughs) Trust in the fact that just coming to church will make me a good person. I I pray that they would actively say, God, are you real? And pursue that that to the nth degree. For those who doubt that you exist, Lord, I, I pray that you would reveal yourself, whether in small steps or just one, one mighty step today, Lord. I pray that you would begin to do that in all those who are sitting here. And I pray that we would come to a point where we each one of us are living in the truth of who you are and who we are in you and the life that you have for us because of that. We pray this in your name. Amen.